0: Welcome to another episode of Foolish Adventure. I'm Izzy Hyman, and I'm here with my friend and colleague, Tim Conley. Hello, Tim. What's up, Izzy? Hello. I love that. What's up, Izzy? It's so good. And today, we thought we'd do something a little bit different. We've invited an additional person to be on the show with us. We're bringing him in via Skype, even though he just lives on the other side of the valley in the Phoenix metro area. That is Mark Spagnolo from The Wood Whisperer. Is it Spagnolo? How do you pronounce your last name, Mark?
1: Spagnolo. That's it.
0: Okay, okay. So Mark Spagnolo, The Wood Whisperer. Hello,
1: Mark. Hello, hello. Pleasure (laughs) to be here, guys. And uh, I want to give you guys a a sup, Izzy. Sup, Tim. (laughs) Sup, Mark. Sup, Mm -hmm. Mark.
0: (laughs) All right. Let's go ahead and start over. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That was perfect. We wanted to have Mark on the show for our audience to be able to hear this because Mark is a perfect example of what we're talking about. Anytime anybody... Uh, Any anytime anybody thinks that okay, well, yeah, you know, Izzy's created Izzy Video. He's very lucky, and he's making you know money from membership sites, and he's lucky. He was an early mover, and or uh, or is you know it's particular to his personality or whatever. I I just want to show that there are other people, and so you're going to be the first example of a case study where this is somebody else that's doing something very similar to us, and it's totally working. So. You are, my understanding, Mark, is that you have basically a series of videos and a website that's all about woodworking, which, mm-hmm. by the way, I know nothing about. I know, I know Tim knows something about, but I don't know anything. Um, and that's how you make your living. You make a full-time living from this.
1: I do. Yeah. I mean, we really followed a very similar path to what you did uh, when you started out and just providing free videos, uh, getting involved in the community, putting these instructional videos out there. And then all of a sudden the numbers get really high and you start to go, hmm, maybe I can do something with this. You know, This is a little bit more in terms of audience size than I, than I initially expected. And, uh, and one thing leads to another and you start to try to find other ways to monetize you know, and try and figure out how to make a – not even make a living. It wasn't even that uh, – something that I thought I would even be able to do initially. It was really about having fun and then if I could fill the, the car with gas you know, once a month or take my wife out to dinner once a month with the extra money – that's all I really wanted out of it. And it just kind of blew up from there.
0: Now you've, uh- which I think is just great results. I mean, to start off with such low goals and then be pleasantly surprised when you wildly exceed them.
1: That's which, always nice, right? That's
0: a good way to do it. I highly recommend that for anybody listening.
2: <laughs> and, and being a woodworker, you're probably like, oh, you know, that means if I, I could buy this much wood,
1: if, if, if I could yeah. just make this much money, I, I'm buying that teak. <laughs> sure. And then, of course, you know, you also tools and everything. You figure if you have a popular show, one of the first things that's probably going to happen is companies are going to contact you and say hey we want you to use our whatever you know and you wind up getting different brands on the show and that was one of my early thoughts was well I'm a tool lover you know so the more tools I get it can you imagine I remember so many times I'd sit there with my wife Nicole and say could you imagine if I just got this tool for free and I didn't even have to pay for it or can you imagine if people actually paid to watch this show oh my god that would be so awesome and then here we are just a couple of years later and that's that's the reality that we're faced with now
0: and that's awesome Let's backstep just a little bit and talk about your when you sort of got things started. First of all, what's your website? What, what's the, website, the domain?
1: It's thewoodwhisperer.com. You have to put the, the word the in there because someone's squatting woodwhisperer.com, unfortunately. But uh, It's thewoodwhisperer.com.
0: Okay. It's thewoodwhisperer.com. And when they go there, when somebody goes there, what are they going to find?
1: They will basically right now find a blog. Uh, we have everything built on a WordPress platform, but for the for the most part the site 's primary bread and butter content. Uh, is the videos. I do um, usually two or three videos a month on various woodworking techniques, uh, projects. I I also write articles and things like that. uh, We we have a very big community and we like to include projects that the community is working on. Folks in the community will feature their work and uh, just really trying to stay in touch with the woodworking community, make sure everybody knows uh you know just the we try to dis- demystify a lot of the stuff that can be really confusing if you read more traditional publications on it and just uh you know trying to get people involved
0: and uh, okay so it 's a full community it's a it 's a WordPress blog, but also you have videos and you also have a community what you 're using what forum software or something are you managing that yourself or
1: yeah we do have a forum and it is you know when you 're sort of cobbling this stuff together yourself, it can be pretty tricky to get you know single sign on and just stuff that where people don 't have. So you don't have multiple databases and multiple logins, which is always this battle that we're fighting. But sometimes you just got to do what you got to do. So we do have a separate forum. That's of course you get there from the main site if you want to. But uh, there's a separate forum. We're using Envision PowerBoard for that. We just actually switched to that from a Ning site and a full featured forum. So we've just got the, this community that's on fire. And you, you think it's just woodworking? You know how how many how excited can you get about it? Well, <laughs> there's. Several thousand people getting very excited about it, and uh, and that's why we give them a forum so they can all communicate with one another, um, you know, in, around, and beyond the show itself.
0: Okay, so when did you start the website? Do you do you, do you remember when you started it, or how long it's been up?
1: Yeah, it was uh, 2006 around Thanksgiving, so November 2006, I think, was when I made my first post. And did was it called
0: the Wood Whisperer from the very beginning?
1: Yeah. You know, I kind of toyed with different ideas and uh, I was on the phone with my brother just kidding around about how I was going to start this little video podcast to show people what it was like to make furniture for my clients. I was building, um, you know, just furniture at that point. That was my job. So I figured I'd film some of it. Maybe it would drive customers and maybe they'd like to follow the process. So I figured, let me film it. Let me be a little bit of a goofball and try and bring woodworking into, you know, the modern age. And, uh, and one thing led to another, I, like I said, I was on the phone with my brother, told him about the idea and he made a joke about, you know, I guess after watching the dog whisperer or the horse whisperer or the ghost whisperer, <laughs> thought it would be funny to, to call me the wood whisperer. And I was like, you know what? I think you just named this podcast that that's a fantastic idea. So immediately, yeah, from the beginning, uh, that was the name. My, my woodworking business had a very boring name. It was Mark's wood creations which, you know, just rolls right off the tongue. But um, that was something that just very, very quickly after that went by the wayside and the Wood Whisperer became the bigger entity.
0: Yeah, I'm actually a little jealous of you that you were able to come up with a name so quickly because every time we create something, it takes forever. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we seriously, we brainstorm for hours and hours because I think the name is so important because, you know, because that's what people are going to say. Hey, you need to check out Blah.
1: Yeah. And, th- and it is. And you're right. I mean, sometimes the, sometimes you get lucky though, you know, sometimes that perfect name just hits you right away and you run with it. If you sit there and think about it too long, the wood whisperer is kind of long, you know? And if I thought about the URL, I could have, you know, just been upset that I couldn't get the the shorter URL without the word the in the beginning. And I could have sat there and mulled it over longer and maybe convinced myself not to go with that. But, uh, sometimes I think you just got to kind of pinch it off and go,
2: <laughs> you know, just, just make it started. All right. <laughs> Uh, Go ahead. uh, Go ahead, Tim. So in the in the early days, where was your traffic coming from? What were you doing to uh, drive traffic? Were you just putting these up on uh, on iTunes or or what were you doing to actually bring people to the Wood Whisperer?
1: I did a lot of what you guys talked about in a previous uh, episode with driving traffic uh, using free resources. I wasn't about to pay anything. I mean, talk about bootstrapping. There was no money. Uh, invested in this at all because here's the thing, there were just so many free resources at the time. Why would I want to? Um, The traffic was coming from directories. It was coming from uh, forums. You know, you talked about going into forums and making your, or or commenting on other people's blogs. Well, you know, woodworking blogs were not as big at that time as they are right now. So there weren't quite as many for me to comment on, but there were forums and I had been members, a, a member of multiple forums for years just as a woodworker and having interest in the topic. So I was sort of already established as a, a person who offered something to the community numerous times with just good blog, or I'm sorry, terminology is all wacky now, good forum posts at the time. So when I went back into those forums, I said, hey, guys, this is something fun that I'm working on. Check it out. And I think that initial influx of traffic was what really got us started. And I would, I would have to give most of the credit to forums, but a lot of it did also come from just communicating with other uh, bloggers, other podcasts. Um, there was, you know, like the Clip Show was a video podcast that was pretty uh, pretty popular at the time. And what they did was reviewed other podcasts. And we were friends with those guys. They reviewed our show. So it was just kind of net really a lot of networking and a lot of getting in touch with people and just trying to, to make sure people were aware that this, you know, goofy little woodworking show was out there.
0: Now, how much of your traffic does come from iTunes, though? I mean, it, my my own experience, the reason why I asked this, and and I, it's, I know it's bad form to ask a question and then start talking. So I realize <laughs> sure. that, but I, that's what I'm doing anyway because I'm horrible at interviewing. <laughs> Go um, for it. <laughs> but my first thing is uh, my, uh, what was I even asking? It, it's even worse when then you forget the questions. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> My own personal observation is that early on, I got a lot of traffic from iTunes, and it just seems like as the directory's gotten bigger and bigger, and I, uh, it, it just seems like not as much people are spending as much time in iTunes. Now, my traffic has continued to rise, you know, so I definitely have more traffic now than I've ever had, but I've noticed that it's less and less people coming from iTunes specifically. I'm curious to see if your experience has been the same, different. I notice you're featured there all the time, like you're always featured. So I'm curious what kind of traffic that you're getting from iTunes.
1: We still get a very considerable amount uh, in the beginning. I mean, I would look at my feed burner statistics, and it was you know seventy five percent. We were coming from iTunes now. Uh, here, here's the thing. It's, it's really hard. My, my traffic for my website is one thing. I've got Google Analytics and I can get lost in there for an entire day trying to figure out what the heck is going on uh, to get something meaningful out of it. But um, when I look at my feed burner stats, for instance, I've got so many feeds now and this is just part of my personal uh, problem that I have with statistics. I've got so many different feeds and it, it's really hard to figure out exactly what this picture really looks like. So it's hard for me to even tell you now how much of an impact iTunes. I can tell you it's still significant. Um, I think if you're doing a podcast and you're not in iTunes, you're really hurting yourself or you're not getting the full benefit uh, of what you could be getting if you actually went out there and, and put it in the directory. So that, so I get a lot of traffic still, but I can't really even put a number on it because I've got you know six or seven different feeds just because I like to provide different uh, formats of video for people. So, I mean, I guess if I – Felt like sitting here and adding all the numbers together. I could give you <laughs> actually yeah. give you. A Don't number. worry
2: about. It. I, did, I guess not details. Maybe we, we should have them use that metric of hours. Yeah. At any given moment,
0: we have this. We have this. Uh, this metric that we made up called at any given moment. Okay. Where, where we talk about, like, out on your website at any given moment, how many people are there they're currently browsing, you know, that kind of stuff. So
2: okay, I got you. A, a, yeah. a completely useless metric. It's
0: totally useless. But we <laughs> yeah. report on it multiple times throughout the day. I, I report on this.
1: One, so. <laughs> nice. I got to start doing that. Well, it, it's really tough when I get, you know, for advertisers, they ask for these numbers and things, and they want to know how many subscribers you have. That's a really hard thing for a video producer to answer. If you consider all the different places that people can watch your videos uh, all the different uh, formats, the set top boxes that they could do this on. It's really tough to give them any sort of a number. So you just add them all together. Well, you could do <laughs> like you could do
2: like print publications and just make up the number. That's true. That's <laughs> true. Uh, well, there's this additional readership that that <laughs> actually uh, may or may not exist. And that's how we've come up with our numbers.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, you could do that, too. That's for sure.
2: Uh, Mark. OK, so my
0: question now is I'm going to ask you to, to kind of pat yourself on the back here a little bit. Okay. Which I, I don't know if that goes with your personality or against, but but either way, can you tell us in the audience what is something that you're really happy you've done that you're like maybe either you figured it out or stumbled on it or whatever, but something that was really smart along the way as you're building your business that you could recommend for other people?
1: Well, um, I would say engaging the community, and this is the double-edged sword, and I mean we could probably get into a whole bunch of topics that that are around this one particular thing, uh, and I struggle with this all the time, but. If you're part of the community and you're sort of embracing this community and you become a believable you know, person, someone that people can really trust. So when I give a tool review or I give advice on, on what to buy or where to spend your money, people believe me. And it's not because, you, you know, because I, I present myself as this like, you know, super knowledgeable authority. It's just they trust the advice that they're getting from this person just like you might trust your neighbor next door who says, don't buy this lawnmower. You want to buy this lawnmower just because they happen to know a lot about lawnmowers. Um, so, I would say being a, a true honest to goodness part of your community that 's probably been my biggest asset, and the reason why I continue to to be successful with our our paid membership and things like that because people trust me, and when i say i 'm going to do something, they know that i 'm going to do it and i 'm going to exceed their expectations, you know so I think it 's just part of my personality to be uh, not just, you know, making a community for others to enjoy, but making a community that I would enjoy if I were just one of the, the people out there watching.
0: Now, my experience with you, Mark, what you've told me is that you tend to be sort of introverted. Which is is wild for me. I mean, anybody listening to this is going to go, come on. He's a total (laughs) extrovert.
1: Very much so. I I was the quiet kid growing up. I was the kid at the dance who was the wallflower. You know, I mean, I I just uh, I was always introverted. Uh, I got into, you know, when I was in high school, I started playing the drums. And that's the greatest place for an introvert because you're in the back of the band. You get to hide behind a giant drum set and big cymbals. and You don't have to see anybody. So you know that was another thing I did that people would be like, "Oh, you're in a band? How can you be you know an introvert?" No, seriously, it's a great place to do what I want to do, but still be relatively you know insulated from from the people. Uh, and then I guess once once I and by the way, woodworking is not my my first career. I was in biotech and I went to school for molecular biology, and I you know sweated bullets for every presentation I had to give. It was it was terrible. You know I was really bad at public speaking. And I think once I got into into the the world of actually working in biotech, I quickly got into – and I think accidentally got into management and wound up having to train a lot of people on a routine basis. And once I was training people on something I I was, number one, passionate about and, number two, knew a lot about, all of a sudden something – a switch went off. It was, it was really weird. And and I felt like I was completely in control of the situation. I could speak intelligently about it and I could, you know, convey a rather complex topic in a simple way that someone who's new to it can understand. And that actually is probably what paved the way for me being able to do what I do with woodworking and trying to demystify what could be rather a, a complex topic and demystify it and make it something relatively simple. And I, and I guess that's why people think, you know, might be surprised to hear that you know, that, that I was an introvert because I, I speak, you know, at, at engagements all the time. I teach at woodworking schools. It's just something that I do as part of this job now. So yeah, kind of funny. And, and, and frankly, if I'm in a room full of people and everybody's talking and it's a big party and I don't really know anybody, I'm probably going to just stick by the wall and eat some cheese.
2: <laughs> well, I, I'm going to jump in there, uh, where you're, cause for our audience, there's a lot of people out there who are still in their day job and and you went from molecular biology to woodworking, yeah. all right. That's kind of um, uh, uh, a non sequitur. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me ask: Were
0: you you were doing woodworking on the side along with your work too, or or were you making money from that? How'd well, you make that switch?
1: Well, basically, I mean, I've always been relatively handy growing up. My my stepdad taught me how to swing a hammer and all that stuff, and I used to build you know speaker boxes for my truck and things like that. Uh, But I never really had any sort of real skill, never built furniture. And it wasn't until we bought our first house, it was a little bit of a fixer-upper, and I had to install some flooring and baseboards and all that fun stuff, that I I started to think, huh, maybe I can, you know, make a piece of furniture, make an end table instead of buying one. So uh, I think actually Nicole bought my first table saw for me as a subtle hint to do the rest of the flooring in the house. (laughs) Uh, and I think from that point, I just kind of got inspired to look into what else I could do with the tools that she just bought me. And that's really where it all started. So it was like DIY projects that uh, I did on the side. And next thing you know, the furniture just, I don't know, I got obsessed with it. I, I tend to be that way. If I'm interested in a topic, I will, you know, obsess over it, read as much as I can about it, teach myself as much as I can until I become good at it. And uh, and it just becomes part of my list of things that I, that I like to do. So woodworking was one of those, and I started doing a couple jobs here and there for people at work. You know, a coworker wants a coffee table, and I'd work up a price. I wouldn't make much money, uh, but it was fun for me to, to experiment and and use their money to to learn woodworking, and uh, and that's really all it was at the time. So then, so basically, once that started to build up, I, I started to make a little bit too much money that I felt really nervous tax wise, and, and you know, I felt like I really needed to to start a real business or stop doing this stuff on the side because it was getting a little bit too substantial. And that was when the conversation took place with with uh, Nicole that I might be uh, in the wrong field of work because clearly I was completely losing my passion for science. And I was working at, at that point. I wasn't even in the lab anymore. I was working a tech service job, sitting in a cubicle, answering the same questions, helping other people, you know, do their experiments. I wasn't doing anything myself. So not a creative task at all. And my passion was just with this woodworking stuff. And, you know, thank God, Nicole had the guts to, to tell me and push me because that was not something that came natural to me is, you know, leave this career that you just spent, you know, four years studying and, and, and working your butt off to get these jobs, uh, you know, leave that and just start woodworking. You know, not exactly the kind of advice mom would approve of. Right.
2: So from from that point, uh, from the time you, uh, you know, broke away from uh, from your tech job, how far uh, how long did it take to then become the wood whisperer?
1: It was a couple of years. At that time, we also moved from California to Arizona, which was part of what facilitated making this all work. Uh, living in Southern California wasn 't exactly you know financially the smartest thing to do when we were going to make a, a risky change like this, so moving to Phoenix where it 's a little bit easier to to uh, you know housing is cheaper and I could get a good uh, shop space you know without having to to break the bank um, so we kind of did all that at the same time. I quit my job but we're fortunate in that Nicole works from home, so as long as she 's near an airport you know we can we can move just about anywhere. Um, so it was. I think we were in Arizona. I had started the business, and I had about a year and a half, maybe two years. I, w- I would say about a year and a half before the idea for the Wood Whisperer started, and yeah. uh, and then we did the Wood Whisperer in its sort of beginning stages, where it was all just for fun and just kind of building it up. We did it for about a year before I made the decision that I'm making more money, and there's more potential for money in these videos than there is for me to continue doing woodworking. Uh, for clients locally. I,
0: I want to emphasize that I found out who you were, Mark, from a comment that you left on the on the Precisely? website. I'm, I'm, I'm like 90% sure that's
1: how I found out who you were. Probably because that's how I learned how to edit video. I mean, what did I know about video? I, I had a little rinky dinky sort of camera that Nicole had sitting around and I thought it would work. And I realized it didn't have a mic input. And nothing drives me nuts more in internet videos than crappy audio does. So I was like, well, okay, well, what am I going to do about the camera? So I started doing research and figured I need to – I got my first um, Mac laptop, so I'm playing with iMovie and kind of putting all the pieces of the puzzle together. And that's when I found, you know, found Izzy Video and started learning how to edit video that way and uh, and also film and and shoot properly. So – uh, yeah, it was kind of, it kind of came together all at the same time. So I'm sure that probably is how we got in touch with each other. And I found out that you were local and kind of wanted to get in touch with you for that reason.
0: Yeah. And it's funny because this is a, another one of those testimonials of how commenting on other people's websites is a very smart thing to do because you, I've known you now. I feel like I've known you ever since I've been online and mm-hmm. it's been several years and we've talked many times. We've even gone out to dinner and and uh, other things like that. So. I don't know. I just think that I think that we can't emphasize how important it is to comment on other people's websites and get to know them and and start building a relationship that way. There, I, this leads me to my next question. Actually, I'm going to interrupt everybody and continue here. <laughs> so, my <laughs> my next question for you, Mark, is: Can you tell me the different ways that you've made money with your website? Because I know you've done different things. I'm curious to find out what they are.
1: Well, I think like everybody in the beginning, you start thinking, okay, Google Ads. You know, let me put some AdSense ads up and just see what that does. And I guess if you have a really high traffic website, you can make a few bucks and I still have some Google AdSense that, that you know, could pay my grocery bill for the month. Um, but for most people, I don't think it's going to be a real substantial return. So what, what we really started to do at that point was think, okay, uh, we need to develop a strategy. We want to look at, you know, possibly have some sponsors of the show. Uh, we need to maybe pull in a couple advertisers. And I think that was our initial thing, sponsors and advertisement. And we were listening to the podcast brothers at the time, uh, what Tim, Tim and Emil, I think are their names. Um, we were awesome. listening to them. And at the time, everything was about advertising. You know, they were encouraging people to get someone who was, who was on the phone every day, calling for the ads, calling for the ads. That was their big thing. That was before membership sites became a big deal. So we were kind of following that policy and doing our best to try and pull in advertisers, which was an uphill battle that we were clearly losing. I mean, it wasn't really, uh, our sponsorships turned out to be a good thing, uh, but I think that was kind of just a real lucky hit for us. But as far as getting just, you know, a a routine amount of ads or a regular amount of ads on the website, that just wasn't all that fruitful for us at that time. So I, I would say in the beginning, it was Google ads. It was trying to get the individual woodworking companies to put ads on there and actually cold calling uh, and then also trying to get big dollar sponsorships for the show.
0: If it, Without giving us specific numbers, do you have an idea of what percentages or maybe even just rough estimates that like what percentage of your income comes from uh, selling ads versus memberships, the membership site portion versus DVD sales? Because I think you also do that, too. You also have DVDs you sell.
1: Yeah, yeah, we do. Um, well, it, I don't see. This is where I'm a bad businessman and that I don't necessarily dissect my numbers as much as some people might. Um, if but you I had to
0: ballpark it, I guess maybe, or, yeah.
1: yeah um, I can tell you that basically the right now, because that was in the beginning when we were focused on the ads since then with the membership stuff, that's really where the, you know, the large part of my attention has been. And it's also the place where it's the most profitable for me as well. Ironically, the ads don't stop and the sponsorships keep coming. So, so you're doing so, both. I, yeah, so I found myself in a position where I thought, okay, look, you know, the, this was about two years ago. I decided, you know, the writing's on the wall uh, with these sponsors. They're they're really fair-weather friends, right? So if uh, things aren't going well, they're not going to pay up. What are we going to do? And that's when we came up with the idea for the paid membership portion, and we were expecting to derive all of our income from that. Well, and I, and I also expected to have, you know, to, to be able to turn my back on some of the uh, stuff we do on the free site because I didn't have advertisers to support it. Well, that was just a lull in 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 the in that particular time frame, and next thing you know we're still we're burning the candle at both ends literally by doing the the free site, having full sponsorship there, and then also the paid membership so uh to ballpark it, I would say it's about you know fifty percent of it is from our paid membership, and fifty percent of it is everything else, and that includes advertising uh selling DVDs, t-shirts, you know, merchandising that we do on the website. It's that's probably great. about 50-50. Wow, that's great. Uh, and Mark, do you have an email list? I have a mailing list and I'm not nearly as good as as some people in um, you know, maintaining this master list and marketing to these people. Uh my mailing list basically is for people who uh maybe don't want to come to the site every day and once a week they get an email that gives them all the posts that they've missed from that particular week just to their inbox i don't really i mean I might market a little bit if I've got something coming up or a new item that we have for sale, uh, but it also does help to drive some traffic to the website because there's you know it's loaded with links that will bring them back to to our site uh, We also sell ad, uh, small ads in that newsletter as well so so we do have a mailing list in that sense, but um, I I don't really push it too much as a traditional mailing list because it's a, it's redundant for the, the content wise, you know, it's redundant for what we do on the site. So I don't necessarily throw it out there, like sign up for our newsletter because a lot of people might be disappointed. They're just going to get the same stuff that they get when they come to the website. Are you in a, are
0: you in the stage of growing your business where you're looking like you're actively trying to come up with ways to market and get new members and, you know, g- guild members, I think that's what you call them. Mm-hmm. Um, are you in that state or do they just come and you don't you're not really focused so much on that you just want to be making content not worry so much about the marketing initiative both or where are you at right now?
1: Well, my my biggest marketing vehicle is my free site. So the more effort I put into that and I'm I'm I mean if you look at my website, I'm very low key about this membership thing. I don't take uh, I take a very different approach than than most people do, and i don 't know whether it 's because i 'm too close to my own community and it might work against me in tr- you know in terms of pure you know monetary gain or business growth i 'm um, very low key about it i very you know rarely mention it, so if i 'm talking about a particular topic that pertains to something we covered in the guild, I might offhand say hey by the way we 're covering this in the guild right now, so i don 't do the hard sell at all you know so i I, I really Uh, I just lost complete track of what what the original question was. (laughs) Well, good. You're in
2: good company because so did I. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So when when you when you did this, uh, you you came up with the guild. How did you launch it? Since you're saying that you're not putting out much, uh, you're not trying to push much. Uh, What did you do to actually launch this to your audience?
1: Yeah, well, that, well that was – I mean there was a time, of course, where I had to use my, my – th- what we've built on the free site, the newsletter. you know every, every way we had to get in touch with people to let them know that we were doing this thing, we had to use that at that time. Since then, it's kind of just grown organically for the most part. Uh, we've got – I make sure – well, here's the thing. I also give a lot of free memberships out and I make sure some of the most vocal people that I know in the woodworking community have a membership. And those people will go out and tell other people about it. So there is a lot of this sort of back end, sort of viral, behind the scenes marketing going on. Um, and I think those free memberships really, really help a lot with that. I give uh, I give memberships away as uh, contest prizes, as giveaways. Um, I make sure that we mention it when you know when we're talking about a particular technique or something. There are times where I may offhand just mention, oh, by the way, we cover this you know extensively. Uh, in the guild, but I haven't gotten to the point where I will, you know, send out and I've seen, you know, Izzy, I've seen you use this technique where you might give a little teaser uh, thing. One thing that people told me when I first started this was, look, whatever you do, just please don't give us teasers, (laughs) Hate teasers. And I took it to heart, you know, so I I try not to do teaser content. If I do a teaser and I do something that's an ad for my guild, I'm going to give them a chunk, a complete a uh, chunk of information that's maybe a small part of a bigger picture but at least in and of itself it's a usable piece of information and not a cliffhanger in any way at the end it just says you know now here this is just an excerpt but if you want to get the full story or if you want to learn the entire project check out woodwhisperguild.com and so so i think we probably could have more members we probably could get more business Uh, But at this point, I don't think that we need to. And um, I value my personal relationship with a lot of these people in our community that I I just don't feel comfortable pushing it yet. Totally understand. Makes sense.
2: Uh, Hopefully people listening really caught some uh, some real gems there. Uh, Giving away membership, uh, free memberships to uh, the most vocal in your community so that uh, so that they feel comfortable spreading, your, uh, spreading you uh, to, the, to the rest of the world. That, that right there is
1: worth a lot of money to anyone listening. Well, I mean, another thing I do is, you know, we have our forum, so I need some moderators. Anyone who's going to moderate my forum has a free membership. I mean, I can't ask them to do work for me and not give them something in return. So those are people who become you know, uh, spokesmen for us in a way because they're guild members and they're sort of proud to be part of this environment. Uh, same thing with uh, – we also have in addition to moderators, we have mentors. These are people who I think are particularly good at, at some particular thing in woodworking and very helpful uh, to the community. They get sort of promoted to be a mentor and they also, because I consider them sort of quote unquote working for me, uh, I give them a free membership as well very cool,
0: okay, so now the tough question, of course, and that is uh what do you wish you would have done differently from the beginning like what maybe not necessarily a complete regret that you have, but what what is something you wish you would have done earlier or wish you wish you would have known or done differently out of curiosity
1: yeah, that is a tough one um I think with the the membership aspect of things. I learned a lot, you know, in the last two years and I've changed a lot. I've, I've changed prices. I've changed, uh, you know, that what we actually provide for the money has changed. And, and I do wish I had a better grasp of what we were going to do in the beginning, because I think changing things all the time just kind of serves to, you know, I don't know. I don't want to make this explicit. So, you know, (laughs) it, it, it peeves people off, you know, I mean, people do not like it when they see prices double. Um, and, and again i 'm always you know, very uh, conscious of of what people what their impression of of the product i 'm putting out there and the pricing so you know I wish I would have had a better idea of all this stuff because now we 've got i mean I, I feel like i 've got it dialed in uh, and the way that we the kind of content we provide for our members I feel really good about it, and I think it 's a great deal i think it 's a, a steal for what they 're actually getting. Uh, I just wish I would have had a firm grasp on that at the very beginning, uh, so I would have just maybe provided a consistent message for what we're going to do the thing is i wasn't ready mentally at the time uh, when we started the guild i wasn't even 100 percent sure what we were going to do i just knew that i wanted to come up with some membership thing and maybe you know work out discounts with vendors and stuff make it like a discount club and then maybe give them an occasional extra video that's kind of the mindset at the time and then it I wouldn't have been in a position at the time to know these things, to be able to have done them differently. So things grew the way they grew because they had to. Uh, I wouldn't have known any better, but I think if that would be the one thing if I could go back and magically tell myself, here's what you need to do.
0: See, there's some gold in that one there too, Tim. Yeah, what, you know, Mark, you said something. It's funny because you're talking about this Is I wish I would have known at the beginning. And what, what most people are terrified of and one of the reasons why they don't try a business is because they're afraid that they're going to make bad decisions and that it'll cause them to fail. And I think I think like even setting your price in correctly, I think is that's an interesting thing to look at because... You said I had to change things. And basically, it sounds like you doubled the price at some point, which it's yeah. okay. so I've done that, too. And it's funny because that is that's something most people would just be freaked out about. I don't I don't want to double. And yeah, it was freaky when I did it. And I'm sure it was freaky when you did it, too. Yeah. But that's something that you have to be aware of is just going, you know what? It's just start something, just get something going. It's not going to look in the future like it looks today because you don't have the experience yet of running it. You know yeah. what I'm saying? You're going to make changes. And that's something I always say is that I reserve the right to change my mind. I always do. I will change things. That's the only thing that's going to always be constant. Yeah, all.
1: absolutely. I mean, well, I mean, we've grown so much. We've we've taken feedback from the community to learn what it is that works with these people. So it has to change. And nobody likes prices going up. But, you know, we were we were basically selling a year membership, I think, for – I mean, we went in at a decent price. We, we were selling it for $89 dollars well now eighty nine dollars is the renewal price because we like to give people a substantial renewal discount, but the uh, you know one year membership is up to one hundred and twenty nine dollars that was that was hard i mean my my wife I swear she's the best with this stuff she she has a very like uh no we're charging more for it you know she's always of course she always wants to charge more or make more money so it's it's constantly like and, and I also consult Believe it or not, with my mother, and uh, she she's a pretty good business mind as well. So I've got this sort of you know trifecta here with my wife and my mom, both of them telling me you got to charge more, you got to charge more, and I just it goes beyond my personal comfort level. And then at some point, I just started to to listen to them and say, you know what, you're right, and I would listen to you, Izzy, because you actually were instrumental in in me realizing how much more I need to be charging for this. Uh, And and I think you even said at times where you raised prices and found out that your memberships didn't didn't dive at the time. You weren't making uh, you weren't making it up in volume, you know, (laughs) so 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 I was like, you know what? Everybody's right. I just have to get over this personal problem that I have with this. And I got to charge appropriately. And and we did it. And I'm I'm pretty satisfied with the prices now. I could probably raise them again, uh, but I don't think we need to just yet. Um, I think I'm pretty cool with where they are now.
0: At $129 for a six-month membership, is that right?
1: Uh, well, no, it's actually 129 for the first year. The renewals are $89 for that one-year membership because got we've got a pretty good archive of content now, and I don't feel that a person who's renewing should be paying for that archive that they've right. already
0: seen. Me too, I have the same thing. How big is the archive? How many videos or how, any uh, idea?
1: Well, they, see, and here's one of the problems. Because we changed our format, uh, there's about 20, 25 videos in there right now, the format completely changed. Initially, the idea was the guild was just going to be more of the same of what they got on the free site. So uh-huh. I don't know if anyone's ever seen this stuff, but I do just random topics or a project or goofy little funny skits that start off and kind of get you in a, you know, a good positive mood and then you go into the project just to kind of make people laugh a little bit. Um, and I promised that it would be more of the same. Well, here's the problem that takes a lot out of me, you know, and it's every every video is a completely different topic and I, you know, got to come up with something funny and I got to act like I'm not under, you know, a lot of pressure to get these videos out and I just basically duplicated my workload and then what I realized was what I needed to do was make this guild something special. We need to be able to take a project and dissect the hell out of it, you know, basically go from start to finish every detail for people who really want to see all that stuff. Those are the people who are going to pay extra money because they can't get that anywhere else. And it also means that I can occupy a very long period of time with content because it's all coming from this project. It doesn't necessarily need to be individual unique episodes. All these episodes are for this one project. So it actually really worked out well for us. So the archive now consists of a bunch of those early videos that I did and then the new format which are specific projects. So now we're we just finished our second large project was a chest of drawers. Prior to that, we did a small shaker end table. So what the archive is going to look like as we move forward is these little capsules of project videos uh, that will live in the archive. That's awesome.
2: Yeah, that's uh, what I was thinking uh, listening to this is, gosh, Izzy, uh, I think we have a different host. We'll just let we'll just let Mark do Foolish Adventure for us.
1: (laughs) No, I mean, here's the other thing. I mean, it's I'm a complete like hack with this stuff, just like I am in WordPress. You know, I can code a little bit, but only because I've learned how to copy and paste really well. Um, you know, and, and really what I did with my business was copy and pasted Izzy's business. Um, you know, I try to learn from observing other people. I try to, to fix mistakes as I go and and learn as best I can. I'm learning a lot from listening to foolish adventure. Uh, you know, I just wish I had more of a, of a true traditional business sense, but I think sometimes not knowing things actually helps me because I don't have traditional business concepts tainting, you know, my opinion of how I should go forward. Uh, and I just do what feels right. And so far it's worked.
0: And also, you have other people that you've surrounded yourself with by marrying them and being born by them, that also have a very have a very strong business sense. So they're really helping.
1: Yeah, Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's definitely a family business, no doubt about it. And unfortunately, you know, none of us really thought it was ever going to go here. We never thought we would have a family business. You know, I thought my my wife's job was going to be supporting us 100% for, you know, as long as I could stand just making whatever I was making with the, you know, building furniture. We just never expected it to, to outdo my job in, in, in the world of science. I always thought that, you know, if I was lucky, I, w- I would be lucky to make my initial salary when I started working in biotech. If I could do that, I would consider myself successful. And next thing you know, here we are. I mean, way beyond what I would have ever expected to pull out of something like this.
2: That's fantastic. Uh, one of the things you brought up was like, you know, being a hack at WordPress. We, we get a lot of questions from people just starting out like, oh, how am I going to get my website up? And, and we're working on getting, getting a, a course out for that. But what, how did you get started? Did you, did you do it yourself or did you hire someone? What did you do?
1: I'm pretty cheap, you know, and anything, it's, it's really parallel to why I got into woodworking. I didn't want to pay people to do my floors or to put in baseboards. I wanted to learn this stuff and get good enough at it that the average onlooker would say, oh, that looks like it was done professionally. You know, that was my goal. Well, same thing with the website. I wasn't about to pay somebody. I mean, it's, it's not cheap, and I wasn't at the point that I felt that I could call this an investment in the business because I didn't know there was going to really be a business. There were just so many free resources out there for advice on starting a podcast, uh, building up a website from scratch. My first website was a blogger blog, and that's where the Wood Whisperer actually started. It wasn't until I, I, you know, maybe a couple months later, I started to get into some of the limitations of that platform and realized I needed to move over to WordPress. And Then it was just a matter of doing some research on uh, installing WordPress. I got a GoDaddy cheap economy hosting account. Uh, the first two years of the business was run off of a, uh, what is it? Five bucks a month right. for their economy <laughs> hosting. <laughs> you know, so um, I mean, I'm hosting my videos at blip TV free. I mean, and I could and here's the thing about blip TV. Maybe I shouldn't say anything cause I don't want to ruin the, the, the good stuff here, but um, <laughs> you could basically upload, you know, 10 different versions of a video and you could tell it what version you want to exist in the embedded player and they will host all of this content for you. So every one of my videos is pushed out by Blip TV. I don't pay for that bandwidth. Now, I wow. do pay for a premium account. It costs me like 90 bucks a month, but I don't even use the features that it gives me. I just feel like I want to support this business that does a lot for me, so I'm going to pay. But uh, I don't pay for any of that bandwidth. I paid 5 bucks a month for my hosting account, and once WordPress was installed, you know, it's, WordPress is free. So I did all the work myself, and my site literally was costing me uh, 5 bucks a month to run. So it was really slim. Was. 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 Because not anymore. Of course, you've been at some point, you, you, you know, your, your website starts going your, down. Your, your yeah. best dream comes true and your site's too big, you know, too big. And then GoDaddy tells you you're not being a very good neighbor. Um, Get out get get off or we're going to shut you down.
0: So it's been four years that you've been up and going. Yeah. And then at what point, I mean, how... Yeah. At what point did it occur to you, I guess, over this four-year period that, oh, this is it. This is what I'm doing now. This is the thing.
1: It occurred to me when a sponsor wrote me a very large check. And I think <laughs> that's when everything changed because I was like, wow, I just cold called this company and said, look, I've got this new uh, you know, video series that I'm doing on woodworking. It's something new. It's something our industry needs. And I literally called, I think I got some marketing assistant. And they bumped the call up to someone higher. And then that was bumped up to someone higher. Next thing you know, I was on the phone with the vice president of this company. And, you know, I was way, way over my head at that point. You know, so I I basically contacted a few people that I knew in the industry who kind of knew a little bit more about this stuff and kind of confided in them and said, here's our numbers. What do you think I should come in at? Because they're saying, give us a proposal. I'm like I don't even know what to put in this proposal or what language it needs to be even taken seriously. Um <laughs> so fortunately I got a little bit of help there put everything together. These numbers man were so far beyond anything I ever felt comfortable asking for. I'm like you've got to be kidding me. There's no way they're going to pay this. Um and next thing you know they did. And that's when I realized okay we've got something here that we could probably do something with at no of course at that time didn't even think about membership things and uh, you know, building the business in that direction. But as far as sponsoring my efforts on my free site, it seemed like we might be able to do something with it.
2: What I like to say is uh, the only thing it takes to be in business is a customer. And and in your case, your customer was that sponsor. And, right. and, that, uh, and, and like you were just saying, you, were, you felt you were way in over your head. Yeah. <laughs> and and a lot of people, when as soon as they feel that discomfort of being way in over their head, they quit. Yeah. And they never get that big
1: check. Uh, that That's a lesson that r- uh, everyone listening should really take to heart. Uh, well, I got to tell you, it was like, talk about your adrenaline pumping. You know, when you're, and I'll be honest, I'm not really, um, I don't really pull any punches or hold any secrets about numbers because a lot of times in the beginning people would give this type of advice but they would never give me a number and I'm like I want to shake them and tell them what just give me numbers what's the problem why can't you tell me because everybody's trying to kind of guard that secret as if right. it matters that much our first uh, PodCamp talk that Nicole and I did we told everybody how much we made. Now I felt a little bit uncomfortable about it afterwards, you know. But uh, we told people what was going on because we wanted them to know what they could, you know, really accomplish. So in the beginning, um, what we wound up doing was calling and saying, you know, like I said, we made the contact. Then we needed to put a proposal in based on our numbers, based on our viewership from having a free site for you know a couple years and the attention that our our site got, and the fact that there really wasn't anybody else doing this, and our only competition came from magazine websites. As well as the couple of shows that were still on television, and what they want is, you know, half a million dollars for a year to sponsor a TV show. So we're talking a huge discrepancy here. So I think in the beginning we came in at about fifty grand for a sponsorship, uh, and we outlined what that sponsorship would entail. You know, what static ad placement there might be for those things, um, and, and basically just gave them a nice package of what they would receive, um, and and that's what we went in at, and they said yes. Wow. That's fantastic, you know, and, and, that, and like I said, that's talk about adrenaline rush. I mean, when you're uh-huh. first of all submitting it and then, oh, my God, they're going to laugh at me. This is going to be ridiculous. And then you get the, the call back that, yeah, this looks good. Let's do it. And I, I swear when I got the news, I, I just basically threw the phone down and jumped out in my pool with all my clothes on because yeah. I, I was that excited about it. Um, but, yeah, since then, it's just been, you know, I, I find that that sort of when you get into that little uncomfortable zone, that's when magic can happen, you know? So you don't want, that's the worst time to back out because you're not going to, if you're not fully committing, then what are you, what are you doing this for?
0: Um, I'm still thinking about how good it must feel to get a $50,000 check. So what was that like? (laughs) So you, you went to the bank and you deposited that and you were like, yeah, it's no big deal. I get those all the time.
1: Well, first of all, I, I drove around the neighborhood with the windows down and the music playing and hanging to check out the window, you know, trying to get checks, but uh, my wife didn't like it very much. <laughs> hanging yeah. to check out so. the
0: window. <laughs> You know what? That, I think you probably just gave us the title of this episode. Hanging, <laughs> hanging hang the check out the window.
1: <laughs> yeah, look what I got. Well, I mean, actually, it was broken up. You know, quarterly, so the checks were were significantly smaller. But I had never seen a check of that size in my life. Now, of course, you know, let's let's think about a few things. Taxes. How much of that am I really taking home? Of course. And, yeah. and now, now we're talking about replacing. You know, I had a decent job in biotech, and and I was only you know one year into working with that company, so I was still very early on my growth uh, growth curve there at the company. And I think when I left, I was making just just about hit fifty grand. Um, so so you know that was what I came from thinking. Well, there's no way I'll ever make that kind of money again. So when I saw this, that's like I said, going back to your question before, that's when it really hit me that maybe we can do something with this. But once you whittle down that that fifty thousand dollars over the course of the year. And realize that, okay, well, now we just have to be a little bit smarter about what we do with this money. Uh, and also, this is my salary, and this is paying for my car payment. This is paying, helping us pay for the mortgage and things like that. Um, you know, it sounds like a lot of money, but it's it's a, a modest salary at that point.
0: Uh, yeah, but I'd rather have my modest salary in one check. So <laughs> it's just nice to know, see. <laughs> just get that for the year up front. No, just
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, it, yeah, I also found out that I'm much better if they kind of divvy it out over the year. Like I'm not the kind of person, I mean, you give me a giant bowl of candy, I'm going to eat the whole bowl. <laughs> you know? But if you give me a little piece every day, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to ration myself a little bit better. So personally, for my own budgeting reasons, I like getting quarterly payments. It's much nicer. <laughs> I, I, uh,
2: what about the validation you must have felt uh, when, when this, this company that could write that kind of a check said, you know, you guys are worth
1: that. It was huge. I mean, I, I've never felt a feeling like that in my life because, you know, I went to school, I learned science, I, I worked really hard, but I never felt that I was doing anything really truly worthwhile, you know, and I, I I didn't feel like I was excelling. And I used to say this to my wife all the time, that I'm used to being good at something and, and not and I don't want to say the best, but I used to be, uh, you know, whether it was sports as a kid in school or playing the drums, I'm used to, to working hard until I'm one of the better ones, you know, and and that's kind of what happened with this, uh, with the woodworking stuff. I'm not the best woodworker out there. And I would say that to her too. Like, I love doing this woodworking. I know I'll never be the best woodworker, but what, you know, I wish there was just something I could do that I could just be really good at that other people aren't, (laughs) you know? And, uh, and that's where the idea for like, okay, well no one's doing this, you know, bringing personality to the world of woodworking. Maybe if you just let some of your real personality out and do this thing, Maybe this idea will grow and become something. And, and that's what happened. So it was a huge validation for, for what we had done, the original idea to begin with, um, you know, and to, to say, wow, this, this company actually thinks they're going to get $50,000 worth of something out of us. You know, so in addition to, of course, the validation, now you have the pressure to actually perform and, and make sure that you give them that money's worth so that they say yes again next year.
0: I want to uh, contribute something here just real quick. And that is that earlier you mentioned you carve in copy or basically you copy and pasted my business. And I want to I don't know why I didn't say this earlier, but I copy and pasted my business from Don McAllister, who runs Screencast Online. And anybody who's listened to previous episodes has heard me talk about that before. And by the way, I should mention that Don has agreed to be a guest on this show. So so we're going to interview him and find out he's the person that I learned the business model from and, uh, the original, uh, the original version of my business model. of course we've all tweaked it. I know you've tweaked yours different from what you've got from me and I tweaked it different from what I got from Don, but it, you know, we tweak it according to what our businesses need, I guess. And it's a constant experiment for me. I'm always testing things. So,
2: so, uh,
1: is there going to be a new, new Yankee workshop with Mark Spagnolo? <laughs> you know, this actually, this comes up a lot because you see a guy doing a little, you know, what looks like a mini TV show from his garage. And you think, okay, well, is is this going to be the, the next guy to go to television? Well, the truth is there's already someone who is getting a new show who's been sort of labeled as the new, you know, the, the, the new norm, I guess you will. Uh, if you will. He's, um, he's doing his thing. His show's coming out in October. He wanted to be on TV. That was his goal. Um, and, and he got it. That's what he wanted to do. Um, I don't know if I would ever be right for that. Um, I, I am so used to working for myself. I'm so used to the pace that I've got here. I just don't know that I would want what the world of TV would bring to me. And it would make what I do and what I love about my life every day. And it might turn it into something really bad. And on top of it, when people request this, they come to the site and say, you know, geez, I would love to see you on TV. And my, my question that I return fire is why? Like I can give you a half hour of super in-depth content with fart jokes and like ridiculous <laughs> stuff that you would never get anywhere else. But I'm also going to show you high quality woodworking at the same time. And it's all going to be focused on the things that I think are important. If I do that same half an hour TV show, it's going to be 22 minutes. It's going to be really fast. It's going to skip over all the details. And it's going to basically be catered to an audience who's just the armchair woodworker, the person who's just flipping through the channels on a Saturday. Those are the people who need to like that stuff. So why would you want me in that format? You know? And I think that when I say that, then all of a sudden it's like, you know what? I bet you if he left this, this would be one of those things where we say, man, it was really nice when we used to have those videos on the web, you know, for free that I could download whenever I wanted to. Um, so ultimately, no, I don't think TV is, I mean, I never say never because who knows what opportunities might come up. But as it stands now, I don't really see a whole lot of reason or motivation on a personal level or financial level for that matter to go into a PBS television show.
2: I think that's great because you're, you're. It really goes into showing how much thought you've given into your lifestyle compared to. Oh, uh, would this just make me more money? Right. You know, I I would rather have my lifestyle than than attempt something that uh, would really screw it up and and maybe just give me some more money.
1: Oh, absolutely. And and I'm I'm good friends. I was fortunate to work with a, a TV woodworker named David Marks. And um, we've talked about his, his business and how he you know basically did a show for the DIY Network. It's a sister channel mm-hmm. from HGTV. And uh, he did a, a three-season show, I believe, three or four seasons. It basically took a lot of life out of him. I mean, he was doing back-to-back projects. The, the production company was on his back constantly. He had to actually hire out portions of the projects to get them done in time. So when it was all said and done, he was in debt from the whole experience. Wow. And uh, now he had a TV show, you know, and basically they kicked him to the curb when those three seasons were done too. But he got a a reasonable amount of uh, notoriety from it and he's made a career teaching from that. Uh, But I also observed that and thought, you know what? There's just no way, even if it was temporary for three seasons worth of shows, I don't know that I would want that type of pressure. So let me continue to build my business the way I want it to be built from the ground up and do my own thing because I do value, you know, that lifestyle thing. and I'm constantly trying to uh, remind myself that the weekend can still be the weekend instead of working through the weekend. Like, like I actually did this weekend um, because I am trying to aim toward that whole working, working smarter, not harder concept. But I, I, I get, I'm bad at that. I have to keep reminding myself, but I do very, very much value my, uh, my lifestyle and I do value that more than money.
0: I've been, as we've been talking here, Mark, I've been sort of making a little bit of a list here of what we, uh, what we would call, Tim and I have this thing where we refer to things as either being a foolish business or an unfoolish business and Mm -hmm. foolish, foolish actually in this case is good because, you know, according to what we think is a foolish business. And there are elements of what you've talked about that I think are what we'd call foolish, which are good, which is a good thing. Um, one of the things that really stands out, and, and by the way, I'm going to ask you a question at the end of this. And the question is going to be uh, for somebody who's new and hasn't even registered their domain yet. What are some tips that you would give them? But uh, so you can be thinking about that here as as I talk here for a second, identifying some of the things that I think in your business that are foolish. And one of them is that you've built your business around your personality and your passion. And uh, that's I just love it that you loved woodworking, and now that's your thing. That's what you're doing, and you've got content all around it, and it's turned into something that's not just an expensive hobby, but something that pays for itself and makes you money on top of that. That's awesome. To me, that's very foolish. Right? Does that qualify, Tim? Yes. Yeah, so that's a foolish qualification right there. Cool. Another one is that you, you customize it according to your life, like what your life goals are, uh, that it's not so much about just chasing the almighty dollar, even though, um, even though the, the, you have to be profitable, it is a business, but it's not 100% how all decisions are made for you. It's the whole community side and listening and, and uh, getting the conversation going, which I also think is very foolish, mm-hmm. foolish in a good way. Right. I want to keep emphasizing that because
1: <laughs> otherwise it sounds bad. But. <laughs> it's a, a
0: capital F foolish. I got you. All right. With a big F. <laughs> we might have to edit that out. <laughs> <don't know>. so, <laughs> now, so, now, Mark, we have people that are just getting started that listen to us that have no... That, that are still trying to decide what their idea is, that they have no domain, they have no website, they don't know how to even get started. And so they're, they're looking at you and you're five years in the future, you know, to, uh, compared to what they might be or something like that. And mm-hmm. so can you remember what it was like when you're first getting started and all this stuff? And what tips now with your several years of experience, what tips can you give to somebody who's just getting started? And then we'll end, we'll end the show after this, but I'm, I'm curious to see, hear what your tips are.
1: Well, I think you touched on one of them and that would be the passion. Um, doing doing this type of thing about a topic I'm passionate about is what makes it easy. It's what makes it possible. Uh, it's a Sunday afternoon and I'm worried about, you know, re-editing a video that promotes my guild. You know, that's what I spent my morning doing. Uh, not because someone's looking over my shoulder but because that's what I thought my business needed today. So I'm doing it. I'm also up at 11 o'clock checking email, you know, and, and it's just part of who I am. It's part of what I do. I don't think based on a clock I work when work needs to be done, but it's because I'm passionate about it. If that was science work and my boss sent me home with all this work, I wouldn't be nearly as happy about it. uh, And I probably wouldn't do nearly as good of a job either. So it really comes down to to the passion. If you really aren't passionate about that topic and you want to do, I guess uh, there's different types of businesses. If you want to do something like what I'm doing, you need that passion. And if you don't have it, it's going to be really transparent and very obvious to people, and and you're probably going to lose interest very quickly. Um, so I think that that would be probably the biggest uh, piece of advice. Uh, the other thing is I'm a lot like you, Izzy, in terms of how I started this thing. I, I did kind of put you know one toe in, then two toes in, then three toes in, until I finally you get to a point that you're uh, confident. I did sort of the safety net method of building up my business on the side. So I think that's that's another thing that I do recommend. Um, I, I admire, you know, Tim's description of how he thinks about starting a business and, and sort of just jumping into it. Um, but that's just not who I am. So I, I can't. You know, I'm, I'm a little bit more like that now that I've had a success. I'd be more likely to take an investment and jump into something if an opportunity sprung up. Uh, but at the time when I'm, you know, leaving a job, a good-paying career job, uh, you couldn't have told me that. It wouldn't have mattered. Um, so I had to take that sort of slow road and build it up on the side until it got to the point that it was its own entity. And if I just had more time to give into it, I'm already sucking up my weekends. I'm sucking up my evenings. If I had more time, I could really blow this thing up. And that's when you make that shift. Um, the other thing is if you can have a spouse that has a decent paying job, that helps too.
2: <laughs> that's a big a, a sugar mama. That's
1: <laughs> but Nicole loves to be the sugar mama. I'll tell you. She likes that. Awesome. Yeah. Honestly, that's, that's, that was a big part of it too because in the beginning she said, look, I need $500. Like we looked at our finances. We got it all down on paper. I need 500 bucks a month from you if you're going to be able to do this. And I mean we didn't get into all the details of, of how everything went down when I started. But I couldn't do that initially because I didn't have enough business drummed up. And now we're talking about the woodworking business at this point. Right. And I had to go back to work out here in Phoenix. I found some job working for an environment, environmental engineering company, I even know what I don't even know what I did. I worked there for almost a year and I have no idea what I did while I was there. But uh, I, it was just it was the biggest lesson on, you know, there's nothing like leaving the corporate world and then having to go back to make you full of just you know piss and vinegar to say, "You know what? this is crazy. I'm sitting here." 8 to 10 hours a day pursuing someone else's dream? Are you kidding me? Like this is the, I can't I felt like I was wasting away in this little cubicle office situation. That filled me with the energy to go back and just redouble my efforts to do whatever I had to do to make sure I didn't end up back there again. So I just got more creative and then wound up getting that 500 bucks a month for my wife to make sure that our house was paid for and our cars were paid for and uh, and just built it up from there. But obviously only needing to come up with 500 you made it a lot easier for me
0: I love it that's great stuff mark <laughs> yeah it's really good and i have to say congratulations on all the huge success and i'm i know personally i'm just super just in awe of what you've done it's great i love it and i i think uh i wouldn't be surprised if we end up having to have you on the show again at some point hopefully you'd be open to that because i think you've got some really good uh, insights and things that you figured out for yourself.
1: Yeah, I would love to. I mean, I'm getting a lot from the show myself. I've recommended, recommended it to a lot of my friends, uh, online and stuff, just spreading the word because I think it's something that I have to eat, sleep and drink and I'm never, I'm never comfortable. You know what I mean? Like I feel good about what we're doing and people say, Oh, congratulations on the success. I don't feel like I've succeeded yet. You know, I'm, I'm doing what we need to do, but I'm not so comfortable that I'm just going to kick back and, you know, just relax every day. I'm trying to figure out what my next move is because I know there are people who are also going to emulate what I'm doing in my industry and then I'll have to be on the next thing by the time they just figured out what I was doing. Um, so I'm always thinking about what the next step is. So I, you know, I would love to be back on and just share any, any new ideas, new developments and especially learning from you guys.
0: Thanks, man. That's awesome. I think we're going to go ahead and tie it, uh, end it now, Tim. So All right. I'll just go ahead and say goodbye and you can say?
2: Enjoy your foolish adventure.
0: Thanks for listening to Foolish Adventure. If you found this information helpful and want more like it, please visit foolishadventure.com. Do you have specific questions you'd like us to answer? Leave a comment on the website. Who knows? Maybe we'll create a whole show to answer it. Also, we have a voicemail line where you can ask questions. The number is 480 331 4695.